Imagine a magnificent life where you can master anything you want to, where time is not a barrier. Struggles and challenges you face can be overcome. You can create ultimate control and access higher potential that brings joy and fulfillment in your life. To achieve this, we must first empty our mind to be open for new possibilities before we can launch into infinite heights. In the words of Zen master Shinryo Suzuki, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the expert's mind, there are few. Join me, the maestro Vincent Chang, as we uncover the secrets to going from zero to infinity. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Zero to Infinity. I am so excited today to introduce a very special guest, Savio Clemente. He is a cancer survivor himself, and he coaches cancer survivors to overcome the confusion and gain the clarity and confidence needed to get busy living in mind, body, and spirit. He empowers health and wellness seekers to find the meaning in the why and to cultivate resilience in their mindset. Savio is a board-certified wellness coach, a number one best-selling author, syndicated columnist, podcaster, and the founder of The Human Result, LLC. Welcome, Savio. So happy to have you. Thank you so much, Vincent, for inviting me. Uh, I'm really excited. Amazing. So I, I, I'm so intrigued by your story and, and the transformation that you've gone. And as you know, my podcast is called Zero to Infinity, my, my story, you know, going to zero though many times we call it, we hit rock bottom, you know, we never expected life to be like this. And then now where you're at, you probably never expected to, and like, how, how did I get here? But you had to go through these stages that really make you to self-reflect and say, what is happening? This is not the formula that I was told, and this is what I have to deal with. So maybe you can share, you know, the start from the beginning, you know, how what what life was expected for you or what you thought, and then you got hit, you know, it went to zero. Yeah, well, I'll start early on. So I came to this country when I was three years old. My parents are from Goa, India, um, but I was born in Mumbai, Bombay, India. And even as a young child, I was very sensitive. Um, I had a bit of social anxiety, uh, and then I started developing a stuttering impediment. So I just had a few things um, that I knew had to overcome even at a young age. And, you know, I sort of was just a very independent-minded person, even at, even at a young age. I'm the youngest of two individuals. And my parents always instilled with me this Asian philosophy of do better, you, you have to do better, you could do better. And um, I just had a natural infinity that I, I anything computer related IT, I literally told them to get my first computer when I was like eight or something. And, you know, I went to college for it. I did, you know, I did well, um, worked at many startups <laughs> during the dot com craze and, and all that. And I really honestly continued with that. I did a bit of um, brand management, uh, project management as well. Um, I was in, uh, in various think tanks for various brands. And it came very easy and very uh, natural for me. But um, in July of 2014, I um, basically began experiencing a distended stomach. My stomach was growing uh, bigger and bigger. I had some belabored breathing. And up until that point, I actually was seeing a naturopath. So I saw a naturopath in Long Island uh, for about seven years. Basically, he would analyze my blood. He would tell me various vitamins and diet you know, structures to take. Uh, and I was following that and adhering to that. 
But um, when this started happening, I'm like, oh, let me go visit him. This is very strange. He tested my blood and he basically said, oh, my God, like there's like a few things here that could go that I see. But I really think you need to go into mainstream medicine and see what they say for you. So up until that point, I was exercising, eating organic foods. I was meditating. I'm a longtime meditator. I've been doing it for about 20 years. And so I went to uh, seek out and, you know, someone said I need to get a sonogram. So I got a sonogram. They would not let me leave the office for about an hour and a half. Um, at, at one point, they came back and said to me after an hour and a half that someone needs to come pick me up. I'm like, what are you talking about? I have my car here. I'm an adult. They're like, no, we really need someone need to pick you up and take you to the hospital. I'm like, why? And they're like, just you really need to go. I'm like, OK. So I go to the hospital. I see a doctor there. And literally within 30 to 45 minutes, they admitted me uh, to the hospital on the fifth floor. Uh, that night, they um, basically gave me an oxygen mask. And I heard some whisperings that they were going to transfer me to what they call the seventh floor, which was the cancer floor. So I had an inkling that it might be cancer, although it wasn't confirmed. Later that day, um, sorry, the next day, I, they had to put a nephrostomy tube in me. They had to distend about seven to eight liters of fluid from my abdomen. And the doctor um, whispered in my ear, it's um, stage three non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's a blood cancer. And um, that's when I actually had the, um, the knowing that it was cancer. And then from that point on, we can discuss further. A lot of things shifted in my life in the sense of I had to reevaluate some of the choices I've made and figure out for myself uh, what's my next step. What? powerful story that experience like it's like you know I, I love your story because I'm I relate to it so much so many similarities you know I grew up as an engineer too I did all that you know love the computers and you know at a young age I well, was in the hospital like you know life or death it was that that sort of thing so when you talk about that reevaluation, like you're hit with something that you totally didn't expect. You thought you were doing everything right, and this is coming up. And and what were some things that you you yeah, like reevaluating? Like how long? And what what do I want to really do? And what am I doing now? Does it have meaning, purpose? And what are some insights that you gained as you were going through this? I mean, yeah. yeah. So I was bedridden for a week in the hospital. And then I was in the hospital for an additional week. And I remember having a conversation with the medical director there. She says, you know, we asked you several questions. Uh, I think it was about 19 doctors that came in and out asking me all sorts of questions, which I answered because what else am I going to do? Uh, and I remember she saying, listen, we know you're not someone who really, like at that point, I didn't take aspirin for heaven's sake. Like I didn't, not that I didn't want to, I just didn't feel like I needed to. I was just, I did everything very sort of natural focused and natural oriented. And she's like, but I'm telling you now, you're stage three and you need to get your first round of chemo. If you don't, I don't know what's going to happen to you. She actually looked, looked at me deadpan. I just remember that night thinking to myself, I don't know if you watched this movie, it's called Little Buddha, um, starring Keanu Reeves. He played Siddhartha, a little Buddha, and basically he gave up all his worldly possessions, gave up his family, you know, lived in a palace, actually. Uh, and he was meditating with two other ascetics, and they were living on, I think, one or two grains of rice. And he was meditating, and basically he heard two individuals on a fishing boat, and they had an instrument. And one of them says, if you hold the instrument too loose, it won't play. If you hold it too tight, it'll snap. 
the path is the middle way. And it was almost like a flash of revelation. I'm like, oh, I don't have to choose either or. I can do both. So I promised myself that I would do chemo, but I would also do a whole panoply of integrated medicine. At that point, I was sort of, um, I call myself a baby biohacker. Um, I was sort of, you know, doing little things here and there, but I wasn't really full throttle. And so that's what I ended up doing for myself. I ended up getting chemo. And then on opposite weeks, I ended up doing a whole bunch of integrated modalities that I researched, that I knew about, that I studied. Uh, and then I also obviously got expertise on as well. And so for me, it was a promise to myself actually that night that if I hit five years, because five years is not a guarantee, uh, no doctor will should or sh will ever tell you that you're completely cured of cancer. They will say it's NED, no evidence of disease, um, basically the remission status. And I promised myself if I hit five years, that I would do something with it. I didn't know what it was, Vincent. I had no clue what it was, but I knew that something was pressing me forward to move. I mean, I, I, I have a podcast of my own and in my intro, I talk about this bridge. I really felt it was a bridge point. Not that it was a choice per se, but it was almost like I crossed the bridge between life and death. That, that really resonates. That's so powerful. I am. I'm just drawn to being in that state nowadays, you know, that's this, this the word cancer, even there's so many aspects of it, people like have different modalities, like, you know, let alone dealing with the shock of receiving that news. And now you're like, what do I do those infinite choices of, of, of way and, and it might not even be hopeful or successful, I and mean, you just have to go for it. And uh, I like how you use that five year, that bridge, that, 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 I, I love that analogy because, you know, you got to first focus on taking care of you, you know, get to the point where you can stand on your own two feet. And I'm like, I'm here now. There must be a reason. If I got to this point, that means there's a purpose for me. And we're often in this state of, you know, what is my purpose? Right, we, we 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 hear the purposes. We hear that this is what you need to do, and you know. And so, when you were in that state, this not knowing, I call it like I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to be open to receive it. What was that like for you? And when when did you you know receive that? Oh, this is it. Or was it like like you know a real real resolve, like conviction that this is it? Or oh, I'll I'll, I'll give this a go, or I'll give this a go. Yeah. A few things happened to me during that time. I mean, no one really knows the cause of the effect of cancer, right? There's a whole variable list of things. I mean, honestly, blood cancers, cancers in general did not run on either side of my family. So there's no genetic sort of tracing in that. But things happen, challenges happen, life happens, shit happens. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we just have to kind of deal with it and roll with it. And I think for me, uh, the revelation or the understanding came that this is just my challenge. And many of us have given, are given challenges in this lifetime. Some of them, I have a cousin who passed away at 16 years old, you know? So at 38, at the time when I was diagnosed, I'm like, this is just what I have to deal with. And so I, I actually focused like a laser beam on my healing. I put everything to the side. I mean, I read um, various belief systems. I, you know, got all this information. I even created a Google alert on my particular cancer. So I knew everything from heartwarming stories to new biologics that were um, underway. And I was just uh, focused and meditated and I was still working out. My appetite was great. 
And I think it's because I also did those other integrated modalities. Now it's a little more accepted, but eight years ago, it was a little sort of iffy. But um, I think really, really for me, uh, it was sort of uh, feeling into myself. You know, a large part of the healing process, people assume that happens at the doctor's office or it happens in a chemo bed. And those are great. Those obviously are helping you. But what really true healing comes is those quiet moments when you're by yourself, when you're sleeping, when you can't, when you don't have the energy to get up, when you're vomiting. Those are the moments where you have to really come close and in touch with who you are as a person. And that takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of time, and really takes a lot of energy in the sense of really figuring out for yourself, well, you know what? I'm going through this. I'm hoping I can get on the other side. But what does the other side look like? And so for me, it took me a couple of years because at that time I was also going through a business relationship with three other in individuals that didn't really end well. And I took a lot of the financial burden for it. And honestly, Vincent, I didn't have the courage to speak up. I didn't have the courage to tell them that this wasn't right for me. I didn't have the courage to say that I wasn't happy. And um, I, I think it affected me on so many other deeper levels. So I think really the key here is to first, as I always tell people in general, is to know thyself, is to heal thyself. And that's really the key cornerstone piece. Yeah, Matt, no shit. I love it. It's your, this journey of going through, I, I we could call it a, a huge grieving. You know, it's a huge loss of the sense of who you are, your body, your mind, even your spirit, to come to a place where you you know, we go to that acceptance phase. I'm at this vulnerable melting piece of meat almost. And you're like, what is, who am I? And this is now the opportunity. And, and, and you talk about how I was afraid to speak up and I didn't have a voice. And, and it's you know, our society, our conditioning is the voices are given to us. You know, we listen to those voices and operate on that. And we don't even have a connection to what we need or what we want. And by the time we want to speak it, we're afraid of the rejection or all of that judgment. And so I know, I know now you're like a, a you know, well-known speaker. You run your own podcast. Same with me. You know, I couldn't order a meal at McDonald's, you know, <laughs> growing up, right. That's my voice. So talk about that, that journey of, of, of sharing or, or coming into your voice and, and, and growing that and now being heard and helping others. What was that like for you? Yeah. So I think it was a decision that I made that I wanted to be a coach because, you know, there's a distinction between a therapist and a consultant. Most of the time therapists really go into your past and it's really about figuring out or rearranging some of the stories that you told yourself. Coaching is really about where you are and where you want to go and what's that vision or that 2.0 version of yourself. And for me, that felt right. So I did what every good-natured Asian Indian boy that I was taught to do was to study really, really hard and be really, really good at what you do. So I became board certified. Um, I'm also ICF certified. It means nothing to the layman, but it means a lot in the coaching world. It means that I have the credentials to back up what I know, not only just the, the actual um, uh, education piece, but also the actual um, uh, you know, connections and, and the networking and the knowingness of how you actually coach a person. Because a large portion of society in general, including myself before I got into all this, is they think that change is something that people don't want or people are resistant to change. That's really not what the science and the research shows. There's something called the trans-theoretical model of change, which is called stages of change. It means that people just don't know how to change. They don't know where they are from contemplating it to 
actually doing it, to implementing it, to maybe sometimes reverting back to it. And so they need that guidance. They need that help in order to get there. And so for me, uh, I also did what I normally do, which is I actually practice these things on myself. You know, I'm, I'm a longtime learner. I grew up Catholic, but I always knew in a sophomore year in college that it wasn't the, the be end for my my own sensibility. So I studied various comparative belief systems um, from you know Buddhism to higher spiritualism. Uh, and I've practiced that on myself as well. I'm a longtime meditator, like I mentioned earlier. And so for me, I think it was the confluence of all those things. But I think people often get, there's a risk that 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 you need to accept for yourself. Because when I made the decision to do it, it wasn't like overnight, it just sort of happened. Things led me to different things. I had an experience in the Catskills in New York, something called a men's event. I didn't know anything about it. Basically, 17, 18 of us men were there and we shared, we opened up, we were vulnerable. We told stories of our past and we got to explore what it is to be a man in, in society because I think the Me Too movement really forces men at this point to really grow and evolve. And so it was just a fascinating, it was like a weekend experience, but it blew my mind because there was a prompt in there. And one of the prompts, the journal prompt that he gave us was, what is the conversation that you're not having that you should be having? And here I'm thinking to myself, oh, you know, I have, you know, my dad and I had a good relationship, but there was always things that I could have said to him that I didn't, that I kind of held back. But what, what it was, was actually saying things to one of those people in that business partnership. And I don't have any contact with them. So the only thing I could do was write a letter. And literally, I'm not joking, when I mail that letter off within a day, Within a day, I had this other revelation that, oh, this is what you need to do. But I gave my time, I gave myself time and grace in order to figure it out, not rush myself to be desperate or to have that desperate energy. Because I think when you create desperate energy, you end up making a lot of mistakes that you shouldn't be doing. That's so powerful. I, and again, I just love how our backgrounds really, you know, you know, growing up Catholic, but then exploring other you know, spiritual teachings. And ultimately, it's it's not about a religion per se. It's about how you apply within and, and that journey. So you've done so much by your, we call it, uh, you're forced to go within, right? Like, let's, let's look at this pandemic, for example. Like, I was forced to look within because everything external, you know, crumbled, you know, that what, what I knew. So this, you know, how you put yourself in a place where, I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to create my own path almost and, and allow it to, with more space rather than this has to be done. This has to be done. And always this sense of knowing, yeah, I have to know it has to be certain, which is what we're taught. Like, if you don't know where you're going, then you're going to be, you're going to fail. Your, things will go wrong. And, and then you look at the formula. I did everything right, but why is something that's still missing? Something is still going wrong. Um, so this, and I, I love how you brought in the change aspect and uh, let's, let's talk about change and maybe bring in some experience that you've had coaching others and even yourself. And I know for myself too, like, you know, I'm, I'm a certified therapist, uh, but the, the word coach, you know, there it's like, it's unregulated. Everybody can be a coach of some sort. And it's like, but you know, what, how do people choose if they're looking to find a coach, if they're looking for change, you know, there's, there's, there's all these different modalities, therapy, coaching and mentoring and inner work. Um, what would you, you know, say about change and, and, and what our listeners can, can benefit from? 
Yeah, I think coaching, I think really the main distinction, especially with my clients when I speak to them is they're ready for something in their life to change. They just don't know, like I mentioned, how to, but they also, to some degree, have a faint vision of what that is. And that's really what coaching is at the end of the day, to create and realize that vision and to really, as I call it, reverse engineer how to get there, because it's not a straight line. There's zigzags, there's pit stops, there's ways and means. Um, But that is really the definition of coaching in the sense that when we have a coaching conversation, it's just not a conversation. It's a conversation with the purpose. So we have to be very clear what is the result that you want to get. And of course, that doesn't happen in one session. Like I have a three-month program. It's a very, um, I use a framework called this going into the spiritual aspects of what cancer maybe have done or you know didn't do to them and figuring out for themselves emotionally how to unravel those things as well. And what I call really the three brains approach, which is the head, heart, and gut. And there's anecdotal evidence that that resonates some type of knowingness, some consciousness that we need to tap into. But we're so focused, including myself, on what's happening in the head and rather than figuring out that the heart maybe lends itself as to be more powerful in making decisions in general. Uh, So I think that's really the baseline that you start off with. Um, I think another thing also is so, as you know, I'm a syndicated columnist, I'm a wellness journalist. I've interviewed celebrities like Venus Williams, Ice-T, Carson Kressley. I just recently went to the screening of Chris Helmsworth. He has a new show on Disney Plus called Limitless. Um, The screening was a couple of days ago. I interviewed some of the experts there, one on brain health, one on resilience. And what I find generally in speaking with celebrities and people have this thing that, especially someone like Chris Helmsworth, right? He's Thor. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like he's a god. No, he went through a six episode process. And the last one was amazing. It was called acceptance. And I'm bringing this into the fold in this conversation because, you know, one of the doctors there who was taking him on this journey of acceptance is people often assume that we should have a right to life. But that's not really the case. Every day is a gift. And and at the end of the day, when you accept that as a premise, that's when the unfoldment, the change really begins. And so for me, just bringing it all home here with this discussion is really the fact that I think people often allay a lot of power onto others. Like, for example, oncologists and you know, hematologists are beautiful at what they do. But like I mentioned in general, they can only do their part. You have to do yours. And that requires examination. That requires effort. That really requires you confronting yourself, which is a hard thing to do. But it's something that I think is very powerful because most of my clients, when they get that aha moment, it's like what Oprah Winfrey once said, that like life will hit you with a pebble, then a stone, and then a boulder. And for me, I can only speak from my experience. Cancer was a boulder for me. And so my story goes, I was um, you know, diagnosed in July of 2014. I did six rounds of chemo in addition to a whole host of integrated modalities. I was able to thankfully beat it in four and a half months. I was told five days before Christmas of 2014 that I was cancer-free. Um, and I've been in remission for about this December will be eight years. So I'm not saying this as like a, everyone has a different story. Um, as you know, I'm I'm a you know best-selling author. My book launched this past February. And I interviewed over, at this point, 200 cancer survivors at this point. And uh, I chose 35 of their stories, told my own. But really, at the end of the day, the thing, the thread line between all of these is that everyone took action. They did something with their cancer. They did something that allowed them to feel whole again. Because unfortunately, unlike mine, which was a blood cancer, theirs was 
cancers that took away their breast or took away their throat or took away some organ of their body. So they're left with that scar, that indelible mark. And so they have to find a way forward from that. That's so powerful. And, you know, you talk about, I love that limitless. And I'm going to, I just saw that too. I'm going to get my, my hands on that, that it's something happens. And often we're, we're in this conditioned society. It's like, oh yeah, just rely on the doctors or the government or something, something, you know, take this pill. Whereas the real change, everything that's happened and, and success comes from taking responsibility for your life and that it is a gift. And I, I love how you brought that in. So I, you know, your information is all here and we're going to send it out to everyone who's listening, who's subscribing. Just check this out. This is, uh, and I'm definitely going to read more of your new content and what a, what a, hopeful message for everyone out there and yeah i want to really thank you for your for your time today to share your message what a deep deep inspiration and yeah is there anything else you want to leave our our listeners before we close off today i think i really want to leave your listeners with this idea of cultivating wisdom i think it's a lost art I think um, when people think of wisdom, they think of someone who's like a sager. But wisdom is cultivated through finding truth in everyday moments, in 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 reflecting, in examining. And that's the one thing that I would like to leave them. But if anyone wants to know more information about what I do, including my coaching programs and my syndicated articles and my podcast and, and also, you know, my book, they can go to my website, thehumanresolve.com. I'm on all social media platforms, including TikTok, at The Human Resolve. Beautiful, amazing. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing your cultivated wisdom today. Thank you so much, Vincent. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. All right. Until next time, zero to infinity. You've begun this incredible journey to infinite mastery. To reach infinity, you must first get to zero. Be open to learn so that you can become a master in whatever you desire. Infinity is possible when you master and leverage time to your advantage. Subscribe to the Zero to Infinity podcast with maestro Vincent Chang to gain ultimate control and realize higher potential. Visit my website at vincentchang.ca and healthesource.com to learn more about creating success and balance in your life so you can master anything. Anything.